Hey guys, welcome to episode 66 of The True Crime Couple. I'm Kay. And I'm John. So this episode is going to be released on December 22nd. So we just wanted to wish our listeners a happy and healthy holiday season and new year. Yes. This year it's great because Christmas and Hanukkah kind of like happen at the same time. So it's always really fun and exciting. Uh, Absolutely. We hope you enjoy time with those who love and get to eat great food and drink every cocktail, glass of wine, or beer that crosses your path. That's what I'll be doing. Or if you're anything like me, you'll have some whiskey as well. Well, yeah, it's a cocktail. Well, like, whatever. I like it on the rocks. Is that a cocktail? I, I, I guess so. Out. I don't know. I just know I like it. Okay. All right. Anyway. You you enjoy a mojito. Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to lie yeah, about you're, that. You're, you are the cocktail king. I, I you think are. I am, actually. <laughs> you know, I also, I got to tell you, I kind of like margaritas as well. Oh, yeah. Margarita uh, yeah. John is Especially a when it's scary coconut. John. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So this is our last episode of 2019, so we want to thank you for everything you guys have done for us. We really love you so much. Yeah, we really do. We're very appreciative. We will, from now until New Year's, be releasing two episodes on Patreon for the month of December. So if you want to become a donator, you can get a ton of exclusive content by joining our Patreon page at patreon.com slash truecrimecouple. Also, if you are a member of $5 or more, you also get the ad-free versions of all of our episodes. Okay, so without any further ado, let's get into today's show. And this one has a lot of twists and turns, so you guys better buckle up. You too, John. You're on a rolly chair. I'm on a rolly chair. My seatbelt is ready to go. (laughs) Okay. So our story today brings us back to the summer of 2010 in Southern California. Calls of a wildfire come in to the San Luis Obispo County first responders, and firefighters rush out to stop the blaze before it spreads any further. As they are putting out the fire, a man runs out of the nearby wooded area. His face is covered in blood, and he looks like he's near death. The firefighters call an ambulance and continue fighting the growing fire, while a few men stay with the injured man. The young man was speaking incoherently about destiny. The man's jaw was broken and his nose was hanging from his face. When paramedics arrived, his body, knowing that it was finally in helping hands, completely gave out and he fell into a state of unconsciousness. The firefighters around him were also nearing the end of their battle as they were trying to put out the final hotspot of their fire. It was clear that this was the point of origin. Once the fire was out, the smell in the air quickly changed, and the weary firefighters approached the small ditch that they saw before them. Within a large tarp, they found the body of a small teenage girl, and for the second time that night, they called for extra assistance. So, just what happened to this couple? How did they end up the victims of this savage brutality? Police say the suspect, 31-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer, has confessed to the killings of 11 people whose remains were found in his apartment. We are all evil in some form or another, are we not? Lock your doors, lock your windows. If you have the ability to provide additional security devices, then by all means do so. Once the male victim is brought to the hospital, his belongings are searched as he's rushed into surgery. It turns out that his name is Cody Miller. He's a 19-year-old from Fresno, California. However, his address has been recently changed to that of a local one. The detectives assigned to the case choose to first meet with the crime scene investigators before he visits the current address of Cody. 
as it's still really early in the morning hours of September 25th. The fire, although started with gasoline, didn't do a large amount of damage to the female victim. This is mainly because of the tarp that she was wrapped in. The victim has, at most, blistering on her body due to the fire. And this is going to really help investigators because physical evidence can still be obtained from the body. The victim herself is a petite girl, maybe 100 pounds, with dyed dark hair, her lighter roots poking out from beneath. The wounds that cover her body tell a horrible tale. Bruises and minor lacerations cover her entire body. She has two fractures to her skull. Her ankles and wrists have ligature marks. And one of her eyes has been crudely ripped from its socket. Oh my god. Yeah. That's crazy. It's not something you often upon. I have to tell you, the one thing I can't stand more than anything is eyes. Like, damage to eyes. Damage to eyes, man. Oh, Like, anything else I could pretty much deal with. But eyes... Not so much. I'll, I'll walk out. I'll walk out of the room. Okay, you know that. If it's anything like like anything sharp going towards an eye in a movie, you know I I yeah. I, I, I walk away. <laughs> when we watched Would You Rather, that was a little difficult for you. Oh I, my god! I do remember that. So, upon further investigation, a glove was found stuffed deep into her throat. A blood test would later determine that she had a toxic level of methamphetamines in her system, but her ultimate cause of death was asphyxiation. And that's most likely caused by the glove that was blocking her airways. So understanding what had taken place in those fields where the fire began, the detectives chose to visit the house of Cody Miller to tell those at his address where he was and to try to find out more about their brutalized Jane Doe. They learned that Cody was renting a room at a boarding house for students. The large Victorian home was owned by 47-year-old Rhonda Wistow. She had grown up in the college town that her house resided in, and her family often rented rooms to students to help pay the bills. Rhonda was known in town as a butterfly collector, as this was her main profession, besides being a boarder. Her home was covered in butterflies, whether it was knickknacks or the real things preserved. She was even in the process of building a second butterfly home in her backyard. I mean, butterflies are nice, but I don't think I collect them. You would be a bug collector? No, absolutely not. But I know a lot of people actually do like that, though. Like, yes. Not, not necessarily bugs, just just like butterflies. This gives me um, Silence of the Lambs. Yes. Feels. Yes, it does. That's really funny. I know that was moths, but I mean, it's still, you know, well, very moths, similar. Butterflies. I mean, she said, in fact, that Cody was the one who was helping her build the other butterfly house, and that it was a terrible shame what had happened to him. She reported that he was so respectful and always really helpful around the house. He was really big and fit, right around 200 pounds. And after he had moved in, he really took it upon himself to do a lot of home repairs. So she really appreciated his help and him being around the house. She told investigators that Cody was actually best friends with her son, Frank York, who lived in the house as well. Both boys were 19 years old. The investigators asked Rhonda if she would be so kind as to tell them who was currently living at her boarding house. The woman produced a picture for detectives. As she listed the people in the photograph, Cody Miller, Frank York, Ty Hill, Jason Greenwall, and Destiny Myers, the men froze. That was her. Destiny Myers was their Jane Doe. 
And it makes sense because that's what Cody was mumbling about when he was found by the firefighters. So they told Rhonda the horrible news about what had happened to Destiny. And the woman appeared to be really shooken up because Destiny was so young. So the detectives asked a little bit more about Destiny. And Rhonda seemed a little apprehensive. Finally, she told them that Destiny wasn't just a boarder. She was also her son Frank's girlfriend. And she was nervous because Frank was 19 and she didn't want to get him in trouble. And that's because Destiny was only 15 years old. The investigators telling her that it was not an issue as they were looking into something else right now, they pressed her for more information. So, I mean, we find out two pretty interesting things here. First, what's going on is statutory rape because he's 19 and she's 15. So legally, in the state of California, she cannot give consent to enter into a sexual relationship if that's what they're having. Yeah. But also, if she's Frank's girlfriend, what was she doing alone in these fields with Cody Miller? Exactly. No, it's true. It's two very weird facts there. Right, so now they really are starting to want to know more about Frank York because he seems to be like the number one suspect if the two were dating, and this is true. Yeah. But then again, mothers don't really always know everything that's going on. No, definitely not. In the life of their teenage kids. Nobody, no parent does. So Rhonda told the men that she had met Destiny one day when she was having lunch by herself at a restaurant outside patio area. The young 15-year-old girl approached her and asked her for some change. Instead, Rhonda asked her to join her for lunch. So during their meal, she learned that Destiny was a runaway. She had a difficult and complicated relationship with her mother and grandmother. She loved them, but she was having a really hard time. She was being bullied terribly at school, so she tended not to go to school. And that can lead to delinquency issues. So she chose, instead of going to school, to run away from home. And that's what led her to the streets until she meets Rhonda Wistow this one fateful night. So that's actually really sad. You know, you have this girl that's kind of like not doing what she's supposed to do. She's skipping school and then decides to run away. Like, that's so sad to me, you know? It is really sad, especially at 15 years old. You're so young. You're a baby. Yeah. I mean, you don't know anything that goes on in the world. Not truly. Right, so you're going to be naive in a way. And that's, I guess, the way that we can depict Destiny Myers in this situation where she kind of turns to Rhonda Wistow as the adult to listen to. Yeah, that's what she knows at this point. So Rhonda invited the beautiful young girl to stay with her in her house so she could get herself on her feet, get her GED, and a job. Rhonda said that very quickly, Frank, her son, became interested in Destiny. But she wasn't too worried about it because the young girl was extremely religious. And she had told Rhonda several times and the others in the house that she was saving herself for marriage. However, Rhonda did note that Cody, who had quickly become her son's best friend, was upset by this shift in power that he had in Frank's life because Cody and Frank were best friends. And then about a month later, Destiny turns up at the Wistow house. And now Frank is spending all of his time with Destiny and not his time with Cody. Okay, I see. I see what's going on. But this is a very typical thing to happen in teenage relationships where um, kids meet each other and, you know, they become, I don't want to say obsessed, but they they hang out all the time and then they kind of like drop their friends. That's something that happens, unfortunately, but it's very normal. 
So the investigators knew, leaving Rhonda Wistow's house, that there was a lot of complicated relationships going on under that roof. So they had two possible suspects. First, they had to consider that Cody was alone with Destiny. So were the two actually in a secret relationship? And if so, Frank would be the prime suspect. However, they just learned that Cody was jealous of Frank and Destiny's budding, but also illegal romance. So then wouldn't that make Cody a suspect as well? But then how did he break his jaw and almost have to have his nose amputated? His nose amputated. I don't think I've heard of that happening since World War One. <laughs> like, that's freaking nuts. I know. No, it is nuts. I mean, for all you know, there could be a third party and then that person kind of that I guess third person in question could have possibly done that to him after the fact and left them both there and left them both there yeah but then that makes Frank seem like the most obvious obvious suspect yeah yeah so Frank is brought in for questioning his clothes and boots are taken and tested for evidence and he consented to all searches and he voluntarily gave a DNA sample so he now is being interviewed by investigators and he's being interviewed in like this like white jumpsuit because all of his clothes are being tested. So that's and there is video online of this interview that Frank does. So Frank says that he has no clue who would hurt Destiny and he would never do that. He did admit that she was a bit of a firecracker, that she was tiny, but she could be loud and aggressive sometimes. And she would often pick fights with people in the house. And this is something that a lot of people say is true, like even Destiny's friends, that she would always have to get the last word in and she always had to come back. But this is also a 15-year-old girl who's run away from home, had difficulties at school because she was being bullied by a lot. So I feel like she felt a need to defend herself because also I could imagine life isn't difficult on the streets of Southern California when you're a runaway 15-year-old girl. I agree. And even though she's 15, I feel like when given a second chance to kind of reinvent yourself, I feel like maybe like she thought that she would like stick up for herself more instead of letting people just kind of bully her around. That's a really good point. You know? That's true. And we could see that she does still want to maintain a really good life for herself and future for herself because she is wanting to go to the Wisto house and kind of start over, get her GED, get a job. And she's maintained that religious aspect in her life. So... I think that Destiny is a complicated person to understand. So I didn't want to... A lot of accounts said that about her, but I didn't want that to be like the only descriptor. Like, obviously, she's a very complicated... All 15-year-old girls are extremely complicated. So (laughs) I'm sure she is too. So at the same time, Frank told investigators that he had really strong feelings for her. He does admit that they were having sex and his mother was unaware of this. Shocker. Okay. We, I mean, obviously. This Come on too. now, yeah. They live, like, she has her own room. He has his own room. They're under the same roof. Couldn't get more easier for two teenagers to, like, sneak away together, you know? Right, exactly. When asked if he was concerned about destiny or if her behavior had changed before the murder, Frank thought about this. Well, he said, she was spending a lot of time with Ty, and nothing good was coming of that. Within the first week of Frank and Destiny having sex, Frank said that Destiny changed her whole look. She started dressing in all black and wearing dark makeup and even dyed her hair dark, like into this like dark, dark red color. 
and she was like a completely different person. But this also coincided with Ty starting to spend more time with her. And Ty Hill is another resident of the Wistow house. And Ty is completely different from all other residents. And this is mainly because everyone else, well, they were teenagers. And he was a 28-year-old bounty hunter. A 28-year-old bounty hunter? Yeah, you didn't expect me to say that, did you? No, no, I didn't. Um, (laughs) He was like a dark and disturbed version of Matthew McConaughey in Dazed and Confused. Like, that's what he is. (laughs) Because he, like, the kids thought he was cool. Because right. at like 15, 19, you, you see this guy who, now bounty hunters obviously can't like, like they don't have the ability to arrest somebody, but they are given like certain like leadway with like taking someone into custody. And he had like all these weapons and like all this like surveillance stuff. And th- these like impressionable teenagers thought he was like this like badass. So they all looked up to him. That's But like in yeah. real life time, he's like not as cool as they think. Because he's hanging out with 15-year-olds. Weird. Yeah, totally weird. So Ty Hill is going to believe that he's above the law, and everyone kind of gets this impression of him. But Frank and Cody, and also the third teenage boy of the house, Jason, completely look up to Ty. And they were also a little frightened of him. So when he started spending time with Destiny, Frank didn't say anything about it. So this now becomes this like really weird dynamic in the house because now Frank is dating Destiny. Cody's jealous of the two of them dating, but now Ty is spending time with Destiny. But because Frank is a little bit scared of Ty, he doesn't say anything. That's, uh, you have like this weird, like, love, like, teenage love triangle, weird 28 year old, like, getting involved. Yeah, this <laughs> it's house is so weird. This house is out of control. It's like the house for, like, the runaways and the rejects. I don't know. Like, it's just, like, weird. Yeah. The whole thing. It's it's pretty interesting. So, Rhonda was also close to Ty. Like, because you would think, why does Rhonda let this, like, dude hang around her son? But it's because Rhonda is kind of family friends with, like, Ty's relatives. So, I think she knew, like, his uncle and his aunt. So, like, that's why she let him kind of stay there. So, after DNA samples were taken from Frank, he was told that he could leave the police station, but that they might need to bring him in for more questioning. The police had learned a lot, and when the forensic results came back from Frank's items, they surprisingly came up all clean. Wow, so he had nothing to do with it. Well, so far. Part. Well, yeah. because, I mean, you have to remember, too, like, they only tested the clothing that he came to the station in and his shoes. He may have discarded the clothes he wore that night. Right, but I mean, if they found his DNA on that, you know, on the clothes that he's wearing, you know, that was on the, or had some sort of DNA on the victim, then they could match it. Well, they didn't, um, yeah, they still ha- are trying to, like, match stuff on the victim, but they didn't find anything that, like, was cross-contaminated at this point. I mean, they're doing, like, surface-level checks. Obviously, it's going to take weeks to do, like, the deep stuff. Right. So the next person the investigators wanted to talk to was Cody Miller. And this was perfect because he had just gotten out of surgery. The 19-year-old was in rough shape. He had sustained a concussion and had to have his nose reattached and his jaw wired shut. Luckily for police, though, he was still able to communicate, albeit very slowly. He told them that he feared for his life, and the story he told was pretty dark. So Cody Miller confirmed that Ty 
was really into Destiny. In fact, are you ready for this? I'm ready. He forced her into prostitution to make money for him. So the 28-year-old guy, bounty hunter. Yes. Made her become a prostitute. A 15-year-old girl who was looking for adults to finally, I don't want to say finally take care of her because we, we do know that she did have a really a good relationship with her mother and her grandmother. It was just circumstances that led her to run away. But she's looking for guidance at a time in her life when she's really lost and she's being taken advantage of. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. And I, mean, I feel like that happens all the time with girls that are in a situation very similar to this. Yeah, when they're vulnerable yeah. and impressionable. It's yeah. so sad. Cody said that Ty was very aggressive and controlling of the young girl. He also said that Frank knew about what was happening, but would never stand up to Ty. So he let it all go on. Cody said the reason for Destiny's change was the fact that she was being forced to have sex for money. So that's why she changed her appearance. Because maybe psychologically she felt like now that what she was doing for Ty like changed her innocence. I see. And like she's kind of like le- not lashing out, but I don't know, feeling like that's what she needs to do. Like expressing her like inward change outwardly. Yeah. So Ty would have Destiny sneak men into her room. Cody said Destiny had gotten herself into a situation that this time she was not going to be able to run away from. And it's also sad, too, and it switches the dynamics even more, whereas at first investigators thought, okay, like Ty just likes Destiny. Okay, maybe he's he's having sex with her. And Frank's not saying anything because he's kind of scared of Ty. But now this adds such a darker element to it because think about the bizarre relationship now Ty and Frank have because Ty feels like he has his power over Frank. He's, for like lack of a better word, pimping out this guy's girlfriend. And this guy isn't saying anything to him. So he feels like he basically owns all of these kids. Yeah, no, it's true. It's weird to... It's just weird that this stuff went on and no one else like knew about it or yeah. was able to say anything. And it's and it's so crazy when someone has control like this, what can be accomplished for them, you know? Right. And it seems like everything was kind of kept within the home. Yeah. Cody said that they were keeping the prostitution a secret from him and Rhonda until one day he heard fighting in the house and he went downstairs to see what was happening. He found Ty and Destiny fighting. He was being physically abusive with the girl, so Cody chose to step in, and that's when Ty turned his aggressions onto Cody. He said that he punched him in the face and choked him with a baseball bat, and then punched him with brass knuckles on his nose, right? That would be why his nose was so damaged. Cody said that Ty then pulled down his pants and sodomized him with a baseball bat. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty brutal. During the torture, he had lost consciousness, and he said that he awoke in a field with the fire all around him, and that he ran away once he saw what had happened to Destiny, knowing that that was also going to be his fate. He hid in the nearby woods until he saw the firefighters, and feeling as if he was finally safe, he ran to them. Okay, I mean, so that that story kind of makes sense. If you were, you know, you're running away you know, for your life, you know, to save yourself because you don't want the same thing to happen, you know, to you. So, no, yeah. I mean, it would make sense. I get it. Right. So now, it, I mean, there's an understanding as to why these two people were attacked. Right. 
So shocked by this information, the police rush to the Wisto house because they want to try and corroborate the story that they just heard from Cody. With a warrant, they searched Ty Hill's pickup truck and they found exactly what they were looking for. A baseball bat and brass knuckles with blood all over them, as well as duct tape. So because of the evidence found, the 28-year-old bounty hunter was brought in for questioning. The man does quickly admit that he was in control of prostituting Destiny, but he denied killing her. He reasoned with police, why would I kill somebody who's making money for me? And a lot of money. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, as messed up as that is, I mean, he's... No, I know what you're saying. Like, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it make, it just makes sense that he wouldn't kill her. If he's making money, why would he do it? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And I guess police would be like, okay, I guess he has a point, you know? Well, yeah, especially because this guy has such a stronghold all, over all these kids, you know? Right, but then again, you know, the flip side to that as well, if he's gone, gone so far as to, you know, for lack of a better term, right, like you said, you know, pimp her out, right. <laughs> then, I mean, and take... You know, and put other kids in jeopardy, then what else could he possibly be, you know, doing? What, is he, what else is he capable of? No, I, I completely agree with you. Well, he told the police that they were being way too quick to believe Cody. He was the one that had hated Destiny. He told them that he was jealous of the relationship that was happening between Frank and the young girl. He said the two often fought in the house, meeting Cody and Destiny, and that Cody had been trying to get the girl thrown out. Apparently, like, Rhonda Wisto was, like, big on, like, the idea of respect. So he would keep telling on Destiny about, like, little things she would do to try and get Rhonda to kick her, kick her out of the house. That's not right. That's not cool. Well, I mean, I feel like uh, what else is he going to do? He kind of wants her gone. So I can imagine that also causes tension between him and Frank. Oh, yeah. Sure. So Ty says that Cody must have just snapped. And he beat her almost to death and chose to try and burn her. That the wounds that Cody had were most likely sustained from his fight with Destiny. But investigators didn't believe this story either. There is no way that Destiny at almost 100 pounds would be able to cause the damage to Cody, who was just over 200 pounds, that was done to him. I mean, like, he was badly beaten. They don't think Destiny could have put up that fight. And if she did, it, they, she would have had to use some sort of, like, weapon, if anything. Oh, yeah. Kind of like a baseball bat. Yeah. Or maybe some brass knuckles, even. True. But then the force behind it would still have to be enough to knock his... I guess if you hit him a certain, like, more than once. Yeah, or just, you know, you, someone's not looking, kind of get a little blindsided. I mean, it's possible. But to rip your nose off of your face? No, that would require a lot of strength. And break your jaw? Yeah. Yeah, no. It's pretty it, rough. It would, it would require a lot of force. But just because Ty was probably lying, it didn't mean that Cody was telling the truth either. Because the DNA test results came back. And that glove that was found in the mouth of Destiny, the skin cells inside belonged to Cody Miller. What? Yeah. So all the boys that were present in the house that night the murder took place were called in for questioning. The investigators needed to find out just what was going on. Cody and Ty were sticking to their stories, but the other two boys that were present that day, they were telling a completely different story. 
And this time, it was the truth. Frank York told police that he knew his 15-year-old girlfriend was a prostitute for Ty Hill. He said that he loved her and wanted her to be his, and didn't care what she had to do for Ty. But he said, despite him loving her, Destiny wasn't happy. She had to run away from the house. She had run away from her past situation into a darker and more dangerous one. And she wanted to leave the Wistow house. So one night, Destiny told Frank that she needed to get away from this craziness and work on herself. Frank got really upset about this. He told Destiny that she owed him and his mother for everything that they did for her. And she couldn't just leave him like this after all he had put up with. And in a fit of rage, Frank went down and told Cody, Ty, and Jason that Destiny was planning to leave the house. Frank said he was just blowing off steam, but Ty was furious at the news. He screamed at the boys. Don't you know what this means? She's going to take us all down. She's going to leave here and she's going to tell the police what we did, what we made her do. And she may have been making money for me, but you all knew about it. And you're going to go to jail too. Especially you, Frank, because you were dating her. And all of a sudden, Frank said, Ty started planning and plotting what they were going to do next. You know what I get from this right away? It's it's like that movie, um, I Spit on Your Grave, kind of, where it's like all these guys are kind of like, you know, plotting what plotting they're going to do yeah. to this poor girl. Mm-hmm. Well, I wish it ended it the same way as the movie. Yeah. It's a freaking great movie. Frank and Cody and Jason blindly listened to everything that Ty was saying. Ty told them to change into black clothing and grab a weapon. He had his brass knuckles. Cody had a baseball bat. And Frank had a decorative sword. Jason did not grab a weapon, but was present for all of the abuse that took place within the home that night. The four boys, I hope everyone's okay with me calling them boys. I don't want to say men. They ran into Destiny's bedroom as she was packing and they all attacked her. She was hit with brass knuckles, sliced with a sword, and beaten with a metal baseball bat. And next they tied her hands and then her ankles. The attack then continued until she passed out from the pain. The boys thought she was dead, but she wasn't yet. And at some point, she must have been given methamphetamines because it was at a toxic level within her system. They wrapped Destiny's body in a tarp and placed her in the bed of Ty's pickup truck. Only Frank and Cody went with Ty to dispose of the body. Jason stayed behind. Frank explained that Cody sat in the bed of the truck with Destiny's body, and he sat shotgun. He told investigators that he had to because he gets car sick, and the blood was making him woozy. Sorry, Frank. Yeah, really. On the way to where they were headed, they had to stop at a gas station. Ty went inside to pay for the gas, and Frank began filling up the trunk, and a gas canister. Cody was told to stay with the body in the bed of the truck, and all of this is corroborated by cameras located at the gas station where the boys stopped. While Ty was in the store of the gas station, he was seen trying on sunglasses and looking around the store, basically trying to act casual, because two police officers were also in the gas station store purchasing coffee. So while Ty was inside, Cody noticed that Destiny was beginning to move around. She didn't die in the house. 
she was still alive. And when she woke up, she tried to scream, but the tarp was muffling the sounds. Cody made the decision to take off his black leather glove and shove it deep into Destiny's mouth, so the police, or anyone else around, would not hear the sounds she was making. That made her official cause of death asphyxiation. The boys drove to the outskirts of town, to a desolate field surrounded by forests. Ty had three shovels in the back of his truck, and he instructed the two boys to start digging with him. Frank began helping, but Cody seemed to become unhinged. As Ty and Frank began digging a shallow grave, Cody began yelling about what had happened. Next, he turned his attention to Destiny. He felt like she was staring at him. He kept saying, those aren't dead eyes. Those aren't dead eyes. Like, he felt like he was, she was basically, like, looking at him in an accusing way. And Cody kept working himself up more and more until he finally snapped. And he ran over to Destiny and with his bare hands, ripped one of the eyes from its socket. That's how her body ended up that way. What would make someone do that, though? Because he was paranoid. I would say that, like, you murder someone and then, like, you become mentally unstable. It was the guilt that was getting to him. I mean, yeah. Well, well, you know what? Really quickly, what I think is actually insane that we kind of went over really, like, really quick was the fact that the bounty hunter guy already had, he had three shovels in his car. Like, almost like he was, like, getting ready for this. Like, he knew it was going to happen. Well, no, he took shovels from the house and, like, put them in the in the bed of his truck. Oh, okay. Like, they knew they were going to go dispose of her body. And remember, they were doing construction on the house with the uh, butterfly house. That's right. Okay, yeah. So they did have them. But I'm sure Ty, like, you're right, in the back of his mind knew, like, okay, if this girl ever tries to, like, go to police, I'll do something. Which is scary because you think, like, has this guy ever done this before? Well, he's. I think he's unstable. Oh, totally. I mean, he. this is a bounty hunter who is supposed to be helping the law and, like, obviously he's doing everything to break the law. Well, he thinks he's above the law at this point. Oh, totally agree. So Ty had been quietly watching his partner in crime unravel, but it was the ripping out of the eyes that caused him to act. Ty knew he had to get rid of Cody. At this point, he had become a liability. They were worried about Destiny going to the police, but Cody was unraveling, and they figured Cody would probably go to the police as well. So Ty ran out of the hole that he was digging, and he hit Cody twice in the head with his shovel, once in the jaw and once in the nose. He told Frank he was going to start the fire with Destiny, and that Frank should finish the job with Cody and then put him in the fire as well. So as Ty is starting the fire, Frank comes running up to him with some bad news. Cody had gotten away and ran into the forest. Ty told him that it would be okay. He was sure that Cody would die of his injuries. And he was almost right, because he almost did die. And although the story Frank had told them was incredible, it was corroborated with all the evidence they had, both physical and circumstantial. However, there was another person to interview. The boy who stayed back at the house but was present for the attack. Jason Greenwall. And Jason basically had the same story to tell, except two very important details. First, he said that when Destiny was being attacked in her bedroom and she was being tied up, it was likely that she knew that she was going to die that night. 
So in a whisper, she said to them, please tell my mother I love her. That's so sad. That's pretty sad. Jason also included one more crazy detail that is later corroborated by Ty Hill. Rhonda Wistow knew about everything. In fact, she was the leader of it all. She knew about Destiny's relationship with Frank, Destiny's forced prostitution, and Destiny's murder. When I was reading about this story, I couldn't help but think about what Rhonda did for a living, right? I mean, she's a butterfly collector. So it's almost like she caught Destiny, changed her, made her her own in like some warped way. She became, that was her metamorphosis, like her change. Mm -hmm. And then when Destiny didn't become what she wanted her to become, she killed her. Just like she had all of her butterflies on the wall, right? Isn't that sick? You know, that's that's true. That's true. That's that's uh, that's really interesting. I'm disturbing. I mean, and, and of course, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, you're right. Because I mean, if you, you got to think about it, I understand. Like, you know, I'm sure there's people who run away all the time and whatever. But for someone to take that person in with no questions asked, and kind of have has no problem taking care of an extra person right. in their home, you have to think to yourself, what is that person gaining? from doing a kind act. Right, and some people don't do things without a benefit for themselves. Right, exactly. So did she already know what she was going to do when she found her? You know what I mean? I think she saw potential in some way with the girl. I don't know if her intentions were, I'm going to bring this girl home and Ty's going to like have her become a prostitute. But I think she knew there was ways to gain money off of this pretty young girl. I mean, for all we we know that Ty and Rhonda had done this before. That's true. I mean, it it, it, prob- it probably has. Right. I mean, we just don't know, which would lead to you to think, could there be more people that, you know... Right, like they yeah. had denied that they'd ever done this before, but I don't know, the way they had things planned out so well seemed like they might have done this before. I agree. So Rhonda did receive a cut of the money that Ty got from Destiny's prostitution. But when she found out that Destiny was trying to leave, Jason said it was her and Ty that led the charge to kill the girl. She told them what to wear and what to do. At one point, Jason said that Frank told his mother that he didn't want to do this, that he loved Destiny, but she forced him to do it and told him he had to. So the boys also communicated with Rhonda Wistow the entire time. So while they were disposing of the body, they went to the gas station. They were in communication with her through walkie-talkies. That's crazy. Yeah. So conveniently, obviously, when Frank told this story to investigators, he left out the part of his mother because he was trying to protect her. So it was Jason that added this detail in at the end. Right. And I don't think that the mother tried to protect them at all. It's kind of funny. Right. (laughs) She was trying to get out of it, especially when the investigators first got there. Yeah. You know, like, he's so loyal to his mother, but his mother wasn't too loyal to him. No. So. Well, when he confessed, um, he didn't include her. But when the other three turned on them, it was also Rhonda Wistow, who was arrested with the three boys. All three were charged with the murder of Destiny Myers. Ty Hill and Cody Miller pleaded guilty and received life in prison without the possibility of parole. Rhonda Wistow and Frank York pleaded not guilty. And there was a lengthy trial in which both Ty Hill and Jason Greenwald testified. Jason testified against Frank and Rhonda, explaining the whole event in detail, including the part where she said, tell my mother I love her. And her mother was in the audience. 
It was really sad. Uh, must have been hard. Yeah. So the jury was out for a total of 90 minutes before they came back with a guilty verdict. Both Rhonda Wisto and Frank York would serve life in prison without the possibility of parole. Cody Miller, during his um, sentencing, addressed the court and the victim's family. He seemed remorseful and apologized for what had happened that night. In June of 2016, Cody Miller committed suicide. His cause of death was asphyxiation. Oof. Yeah. He died the same way his victim did. Yeah. Look at that. So crazy, right? It is crazy. It's like, it's sometimes uh, what you put out there, you get it back, you know? Yeah, it's true. Now, um, Jason did receive 15 years in prison, so he's currently still serving, and the rest are most likely going to be in prison for the rest of their lives, hopefully, for what they did to this poor, poor girl. Oh, yeah. I mean, all of them took advantage. I know. You feel bad because it's like she really did have a future if she could have just, like, had a place where she could safely get, like, her life back together. And unfortunately, she ran into, like, a worse trap. And yeah. that's what that's what that house was. It was it was literally like it's really a spider's some, web. Yes, I mean it's really something from a movie, really, if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, all of those dynamics all and of it's it. nuts. It's it's a crazy story. And of course, Destiny Meyer's family is still devastated by what happened to the girl because, you know, they, they felt like they wanted her back home. She went somewhere where they thought she was okay and then this happened to her. So it's just so unfortunate. I mean, it is kind of weird. I mean, I will just say that it is a little weird that the family knows that you're, you know, you, you know, you're, you're the family. You know that that kid just like ran away. You are responsible for yeah. the child. You are responsible to go find her and get her and bring her ass home. And that's the end of it. I mean, unless there's issues at home. I think there was some issues at home that, yeah. you know, I don't know 100% and I couldn't find anything on it, but from like interviews and stuff and like pictures that were taken at the time and later on, like you can tell there might have been other forces that were stopping right. the mother from focusing on anything, but you know, maybe issues she was going through herself. Yeah, I kind of just want to make that statement because it's kind of just like, you know, yeah, she's 15. I mean, she's I mean, 15 years old. It's not like she's 18 and you know, if that's what she chooses to do, then that's on her. But she wasn't. She was 15. So I think that that's kind of neglectful of the family and the mother or and the father, if the father's around, that, you know, that's an issue. You should I be know. doing that. So sad. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, that's the end of our episode 66. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to. That helps us out tremendously. Again, if you want to become a Patreon and get extra content and ad-free episodes, you could join at patreon.com slash truecrimecouple. And we really want to wish you guys a happy and healthy holiday season and a happy new year. Yes. So exciting. All right. Well, happy holidays, guys, and we'll see you soon. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.